But man, just him walking up and be like, wow, Sarah. Nice quiche, huh? You think we're going to win? Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike our way through Wikipedia. I am your host tonight, Tim, and with me, as always, are my good friends. Uh, it, I'm Kyle. Hey, I'm Sky. Dang it, Sky! I was gonna do. <laughs> I like how you always pause after I like, like introduce you as I throw it over to you. Yeah, as though you're expecting something terrible. <laughs> to come <laughs> i guess it's yep. kind of because we and are, i admit yeah. it because because i used to i used to throw out plenty of terrible segues to to you guys oh they're all great i just mm-hmm. don't have it in me anymore oh that's all, yeah like i can't think of anything good but well, anyway why does it say yeah. join why does what? it say join what does this what? mean join what so we okay we before we started we were talking about funny videos right <laughs> it's like I wonder if that kid that makes like the the weird food like fast food reviews is still going report of the week uh running on empty. Oh yes. And he is. Just yeah. okay. A, a couple days ago, his video does KFC have the best chicken sandwich. But then I look and underneath like where it should say like subscribe, it says subscribe. But it also says join. And I don't. It doesn't seem to be a live, maybe video. Wow! I'm, yeah, I'm gonna click it. Maybe join, we can join, join the channel. Get access. Oh, this is the new thing. Oh, get no. access to membership perks. Five dollars oh. a month. So it's uh, Patreon. I can become the review crew. Yeah, oh, wow. I get a loyalty badge. Oh boy! It'll be public that I gave him five dollars. Is what this will be. Cool. Uh, Interesting. The blue the blue chalice twenty five dollars a month. What? Uh, my appreciation for helping my ever mounting airtime and operating fees for my radio shows. That's it. He's not giving you anything for this. No, just appreciation. Gratitude is not enough. Yeah, meme I mean, legend. Yeah, like you can't put a gra- price on gratitude nowadays. I mean, actually, well, Full he is literally putting a price on gratitude. My utmost respect. Wow. Respect. Wow. He he's just not giving you anything additional. That's fine, I guess. Well, I mean, right now you have a lack of respect from him. That's so true. you are getting respect, respect from him. I mean, that is the thing. And when you join the WSKB uh, YouTube channel, you know, or, or, or you, whatever it's called, Patreon-like, uh, you will also get our respect. I mean, really, honestly, we should be asking for your respect at, at this point, but, you know. Yeah, I guess you have to, you know, give some to to get some. We should be we should be asking for your forgiveness, please, please. Joy, and we'll give you. We'll allow you to forgive us. <laughs> we just at the end of at the end of the uh, at the end of the pod, podcast, we just have the apologize time. Mm-hmm. Apologize yeah. minute. <laughs> We're sorry too. Sorry, Danny F. Mm-hmm. Sorry, John Smith. Mm-hmm. Oh. Apologies, Ben F. Awesome. All right. Speaking of reviews, though, I read mm-hmm. a review recently. Someone reviewed Dr. Pepper's Zero Sugar. Yeah. And uh, which is, I guess, a new thing. And I just got some. Um, and 
this person was like, you know, they used, they said that Diet Dr. Pepper tastes a lot like Dr. Pepper. And we just sort of took their word for it just because, yeah. uh-huh. right? But now I've had Dr. Pepper Zero and Diet Dr. Pepper was a lie. That doesn't taste <laughs> like Diet Dr. Pepper <laughs> as much as Dr. Pepper Zero does. Uh, so like okay. what what have they been doing all this time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did they leading how did they thing. fool us for so long? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've been leading you on. It's it's all been a lie. Yeah, but this is not about Dr. Pepper. This is not about uh YouTube uh payments. This is about finding our way from one page to another on Wikipedia using the links in the pages that we go to. And tonight uh, I am having you go from The Room, the classic, infamous film made and directed and written by Tommy Wiseau, great, great. to Glitch, which is just something that shouldn't exist in this world, but does. I'm sorry, Tim. You're going to have to help me out with that what? Glitch. Glitch. Yes. Like a computer glitch? Correct. G-L-I-T-C-H, glitch. So, funny thing, Mm -hmm. Discord uh, kind of glitched out for a moment when you said that word, and I got the back half of it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, excuse me? Yep. That would be a fun alternate way to play, like a fun, very memified version of of this game (laughs) is... We only get like one syllable of the word we're supposed to go to. <laughs> and you, and you just like, have to you just have to hope you find it. Yeah, yeah. I hope you get to the right one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, so to decide who goes first tonight, uh I am going to judge you your responses to this question or this <laughs> task. I would like you to ruin something by adding Tommy Wiseau to it. This might be trickier than you expect. Oh, oh yeah, I, I don't think so. Because honestly, <laughs> adding Tommy Wiseau to a lot of things actually improves them. Mm, okay. <laughs> so do your best. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. My first, like the first thing I thought of, I was like, I have to share this, but it does not make it worse. It makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I don't know. I could think about, I, I could think, if you want, if you really want something that makes it worse... Then I could I can think about it more. But... <laughs> no, I can't. The thing I came up with <laughs> is uh, the Great British Baking Show. No, <laughs> he would just be one of the um, hosts? Question mark. Yeah, not one of the presenters specifically. No, not not, not a judge. Sorry, not a judge. But yeah, one of the. Um, What's his name? Is it uh, Noel? Uh, Noel? Noel? Paul. Oh, yeah. Noel. Yes. No. Yeah. Basically replace him with Tommy Wiseau. Not the other one? Oh, dang it. Matt. What's his name? I can't remember his last name. Hmm. I don't know. Like, I I guess Noel, Noel had, or is it, is it, no, it's not Noel. It's Noel. Noel. It's Noel. Noel has such similar energy oh yeah i can see it now that you're tommy having both of them okay i guess that's how i ruin it right oh yeah there you go but man just him walking up and be like wow sarah (laughs) nice quiche huh (laughs) 
you think we're gonna win <laughs> like it's just like absolutely great yeah it makes it amazing <laughs> i know that's the problem and back there like with <laughs> like after like paul paul's like i don't know you know it's gonna be a tough it's gonna be a tough choice and he's like ah yeah you know terrence he could have gone big but he he didn't he just <laughs> a little cheeking and it's like it's great yes it's, it's i'm gonna lose this one but i'm not mad i have to get this into the universe like i, I don't know if so i should badly. even give mine now but <laughs> well you have to sorry uh the uh yeah that that's very good sky <laughs> um yeah well okay well i I was taking mine more along the lines of a of a product, and I was trying to think of like i Tim, you have us so often like pitching a product to you mm-hmm. and I think that my brain just got stuck in doing and one day I'll actually make a profit off of it <laughs> oh did we say this so is the is the director and, and stars in this movie, The Room, that we're talking about, that is a niche yeah. film that's so... Okay, we did. Okay, I did, I did sure. say that, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I think stars is a, uh, is a, is a stretch, but sure. Um, no, I, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, Tim, I, I think if we're going to make something worse by adding him, I think that, uh, you know, wh- one of the main, one of the major themes is just kind of incompetence in that, in that movie, both actually and, and like, um, skillfully <laughs> skill wise and, and within the movie's plot itself and, uh, and kind of that, like an over earnest desperation, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you could make a, uh, you could make a really interesting cologne that has like a weird, like uh, just like, yeah, that kind of like sweaty feel to it that that entire movie has. Mm. I, I was going to say to, to make this, answer the question it's gonna have to have like some of tommy Wiseau's sweat in it in yeah obviously yes yeah. yeah uh no it is not it's not that but the uh but but the name of this would uh the name of this uh this cologne would be tommy wise o why wow, wise o yeah like e-a-u yes yes Tim, oh. thank you wow gotcha well, wow, that that joke landed extremely flat. Thank you. <laughs> you know where my brain went is like, oh damn, Big O. Big O's a good anime. <laughs> Tommy was so would ruin Big O for sure. Ah, <laughs> oh, big robot, huh? <laughs> I need to get off this podcast. <laughs> we are we are diving into. I feel like we're we're getting obscure. Oh, you know, now we're getting you know obscure. What they say. Yes. All the um, robots love to war. <laughs> and uh, the, the, that, just that meme of the point going over his head. <laughs> yeah. So, so as much as much as I as I adore Sky's idea, Kyle's was uh, d- definitely ruinous. So he he wins <laughs> technically on this on this game. <laughs> So Kyle, you will be starting first tonight on the room. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Oh, the two thousand three disaster. How to explain? Yeah, how to explain the room? You've seen the room? No. Good. No. 
No. Oh wow. <sighs> I'm, I'm okay. It. You know, I, I'm it's really. It's probably okay. not your thing. But yeah, man. I'm good. Here's the I've, thing, though. I've it's... seen so many clips of it and so many people doing riffs mm. on it that, like, the the when you know, it's one of those things where it's just like I don't really feel like I need to give this my my attention. <laughs> I'm probably okay without this, but. For those who do, uh, who are into this, uh, the room is a 2003 American independent drama film, written, produced, executive produced, and directed. Uh, they decided to put all those credits right in there, which leads me to believe that uh, Tommy Wiseau uh, was the person who wrote that. Uh, who stars in the film alongside Juliet Danielle and Greg Sestero? Is that what it is? I think so. Oh, okay. I, I assume that these people have taken on like cult status, so I figured they were well-known names. Uh, this film centers on a melodramatic love triangle, sure, by amiable banker. Why amiable banker? Wow. Oh, Wiseau, everybody his, loves Johnny. <laughs> his deceptive fiance Lisa and his conflicted best friend Mark. Um, yeah. So, what this? I mean, you know what? I haven't seen this. Uh, you, you two who have seen it, yeah, give. Give an idea. Uh, g- give me a short, like, what, what makes this movie what it is? Uh, what makes this movie what it is, is it's so hard to explain without writing, like, a thesis. It's wow. something very special. It's very strange. I've seen this movie so many times, mm-hmm. and I've watched a lot of, like, bad movies or, like, movies that are so, you know, bad, they're funny. Sure. But this one is just so consistently, like... It's like a train wreck that you keep watching or like you can't take your eyes off of, but you notice different things every time you watch it. It's very weird. Oh, and it's just so memorable. It's, it's about, yeah, it's about this character, Tommy, who has a fiance. The fiance says she doesn't love him anymore. Is going to cheat on him with, with his best friend. And all the drama that comes from that, except none of it really makes sense. And some of it doesn't pan out or ever come back. Um, I don't I know would, if I want to ruin everything <laughs> for listeners. Wow. I haven't seen the room. I would say that what at the core fun. makes this movie work the way that it does is that it feels like it is trying to be so serious about what it's trying to do. Yeah, but every step of the way, there are these cracks in in everything that just makes it like, like this parallel universe farce. Yes, of a yes, drama. that's it. <laughs> it's like it's like AI Dungeon, where it's like AI Dungeon is not just an AI that tries to generate that it's been that that's like you know smart quote unquote enough to like generate text based on what you input yeah ai dungeon is a game where when you put in text it has been fed like thousands and thousands of real books and it scans the text and tries to find things like books that it knows and like be like (laughs) okay the sentence that they just give me gave me is like the sentence in this book and then this is the next sentence in that book and i'm gonna create like a sentence like that so it's it's like it's what you would expect but just slightly off and that's mm, mm. it's it's like if aliens made it it's just like if it's just like this step removed enough that 
it's interesting, but not so far removed that it completely breaks down and is nonsense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, I, that's in fact the only thing that I know about this movie directly is that the first thing that everyone says as soon as they say, uh, as soon as you say, "Oh, you have to see the room," and I say, "Oh, what's it about?" or something along those lines, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's really hard to explain." It's yeah. it's just the very next thing that I hear often in in reference to the room. Yeah. Right. It's just that the way the way it was made was so odd yeah. that it doesn't really work as the movie it was intended. Yet you're still, at least I am, I'm I'm still grateful to Tommy Wiseau and that cast for having the earnestness to produce such a thing. If that makes sense, yeah. Uh, well, either way, a number of publications have labeled this movie as one of uh, the worst films ever made. It has that linked, and I'm highly tempted to click that link. An assistant professor of film studies was the first... Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. They don't name the person. An assistant professor of film studies was the first to describe the room as, quote, the Citizen Kane of bad movies, end quote. That's cited, but they don't name the person. They don't in, name in the, the assistant? Sentence. Yeah, that seems strange. And also... They're the first person to describe it? Why is that even notable? That seems weird. What a weird inclusion. Uh, uh, originally shown only in a limited number of California theaters, the room, uh, which if you look at the poster on the right, you know, the, the promotional art here, it does say at the bottom, only in theaters. So I, I guess it goes to, it also has a link to theroommovie.com, which <laughs> mm. I don't know. That feels like a dangerous dot com. Anyway, uh, be quickly became a cult film due to its bizarre and unconventional storytelling, technical and narrative flaws, and Wiseau's off kilter performance. Although Wiseau's, uh, although Wiseau has retros retrospectively described the film as a black comedy, sure, that's what you say when when people don't get it, uh, or you didn't get what you what you, well, yeah. Anyway, uh, audience have generally viewed it as a poorly made drama and opinion shared by some of the cast. Again, some of name name no. I'm in this case. I don't need them to names. Uh, the no, I mean, they, artist, they openly say yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've heard yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the disaster artist uh, Sestero's uh, memoir of the making of the room was co-written by Tom Bissell and published in 2013. Uh, it has a film. I it, it it is bonkers to me that this movie has a film about this movie, like. Like, there's a movie about the making of this movie that was made in 2017. The movie itself was made in 20, uh, 2003. Like, it's not that old. And it's so weird to me that that got that quick of a, like, a turnaround of, like, hey, you know what we need? We need a deep dive into the, a movie that gets into how this movie was made. It's so strange to me. That feels it's, weird, right? Like that feels it's fast. The power, the power of this thing to bend time and space like this, <laughs> just creating like an Ouroboros of <laughs> yeah, it eating itself is perfectly expected. Like that, there's that... so much. There's so much to like. It's not one of those things where it's like, okay, face value. You watch this movie and you like, all right. This seems like a bad movie. 
the the production of it and like what went on behind the scenes what was being made is also like just wild and has all these weird holes and like I mean, I don't know if some of this has been figured out, but I remember when I got really into the room, like some of the questions were like, where did the money come from for the, like, there's like, he fired his like camera crew like four times. Like, there's just like all these wild things. At one point, I think he wanted, he wanted Tommy to be revealed to be a vampire and he like uh, came up yes, with that. Yes, you are correct. Like yes. as, as, like it wasn't like a thing where it was in the script and they had him take it out. I think it was something where he's like, Oh, we should we should have him be a vampire. Let's figure out how how to do that. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. it's just it's just things where I don't know. It, it, it's it's such a bizarre, beautiful thing, but it's also like it feels that feels very sincere in a way that's endearing. It's it's this it's a fascinating thing to look at. I think from from both angles. Yeah, you it's, are correct about the vampire thing. They mentioned that down in the script part of this page. Uh, which, I mean, I'm just going to read. You know what? I'm, I can't read it because I haven't seen the movie and I can't do the voice in this case. Uh, there's a section down here, if any either of you wants, wants to take a crack at it. Uh, much of the dialogue is repetitive, especially Johnny's. His speech mm-hmm. contains several catchphrases that's linked. He begins almost every conversation with... Uh, I'm, I'm not there. I don't, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's like a third of the way down the page. <laughs> like... That was a great setup, you guys. I was trying to make that just flow naturally. <laughs> oh, it's it's all high. All high, Mark. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, to dismissively end conversations, many many characters use the phrase Don't worry about it. <laughs> and almost although <laughs> Yeah. And almost almost every male character discusses Lisa's physical attractiveness, including an unnamed character whose only line is Lisa looks hot tonight. Lisa often stops discussions about Johnny by saying, I don't want to talk about it. Despite the significant amount of dialogue regarding Johnny and Lisa's forthcoming wedding, characters only use the words future husband or future wife (laughs) rather than fiance or fiance, which are the same word, just with an extra letter. Anyway, one uh, sounds a little bit more like Beyonce, though. (laughs) <laughs> in how you pronounce it now um yeah one thing they don't mention in here though is is they definitely they do talk about uh lisa's lisa's physical attractiveness a lot like okay. the male characters talk about that a lot but the female characters uh other than other than lisa talk about how great of a guy johnny is all the time yeah so i don't good. think it don't he's think such it a good rectal chat johnny's oh, such a good man he no. he take he loves you. He'll take such good care of you. This da 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 da. I don't love him. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's uh, real weird. It is real weird. But yeah, like you um, said, uh, Cicero recounts how Wiseau tasked the crew with devising a way for Johnny's Mercedes Benz to fly across the San Francisco skyline, revealing what? Johnny's vampiric nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, because flying cars yeah. is a is a vampire thing. I yeah. guess. Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty well it's well documented. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was in Dracula. Does it talk about um <laughs> maybe dead and loving like, it? Uh actually that's probably true. <laughs> Does it talk about like how it was so shortly after it became like a big like cult hit tried to play it off as if it's meant to be like a dark comedy? Uh yeah. at the beginning it mentioned it, yeah. 
Yeah, it's very good. It that really hits me as a yeah a situation where it's like oh right yeah obviously this was a joke you know oh i see that someone else did the joke that i did uh in 2010 the film was mocked on the internet comedy series nostalgia critic oh really Uh, which highlights the film's bad acting and writing but encourage viewers to see the movie uh quote it is truly one of those films you have to see to believe end quote i don't know i i i believe it exists um the uh, episode was taken down following claims of copyright infringement by from Wiseau Films. It was replaced by a short video titled The Tommy Y Show. Yeah. Ah, in which ah. Doug Walker, dressed as Wiseau, uh, mocked, the, mocked the threatened legal actions. I'm sure that went over great. Huh. Anyway. Anything else that you would all like to see about... Uh, uh, say sorry. Say about uh, the room before we move on. Before I move on, rather. Not really. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I I just it is I, what is it is. A, <laughs> I don't want to do that to you. It's okay. I'm. I we're all part of the show together. It's fine. So, like, like we said, like I said, sort of before. Uh, in a 2017 interview for a Vox video, the Disaster Artist co-writer Tom Bissell explained his views on the room's popularity, as well as his personal enjoyment of the film, by noting that it is like a movie made by an alien who has never seen a movie, but has had movies thoroughly explained to him. There's not often that a work of film has every creative decision that's made in it on a moment-by-moment basis seemingly be the wrong one. The room, to me, shatters <laughs> the distinction between good and bad. Do I think it's a good movie? No. Do I think it's a strong movie that moves me on the level that art usually moves me? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I can't say it's bad because it's so watchable. It's so fun. It's brought me so much joy. How can something that's bad do those things for me? Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is like sort of like reality TV. (laughs) I feel like it gets like, it it hits me the same way that reality TV Mm -hmm. does most people. I don't know. Uh, the Room played in the Lamy, Fairfax, and Fallbrook for the next two weeks, grossing a total of $1,900 before it was pulled from circulation. Toward the end of its run, the Lamy Fallbrook Theater displayed two signs on the inside of the ticket window in relation to the film, one that read, No Refunds, and another citing a blurb from an earlier review, This film is like being stabbed in the head. Wow. Lasso announced plans in April 2011 for a 3D version of the room, scanned from a 35 millimeter negative. That yeah, apparently did not amazing. happen. And then he uploaded it to YouTube. <laughs> Took it down the next day, and it was removed the day after. So wild. <laughs> all right, where are you going? Uh, all right, so I would like to. Uh, I, looking through all the links that are on this page, mm-hmm. there are. I mean. See, here's the problem, Tim. You actually, you're doing a thing where it's hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that are, like, talking about, well, things that are mistakes on this page. And I'm trying to think of the thing that would get me to a glitch rather than just a full-on mistake. Like, list of the worst films ever made, definitely not going to get me there, right? Like, that doesn't make, like, it seems like that would be the case, but Mm -hmm. no, probably not. Um, like, yeah, black comedy even probably could, could be an option there, but, and even like things with, um, 
I don't know. I was talking, I was looking at like different video, different types of like film and things like that. They have listed here. Uh, I, but I think the thing that I want to click here is green screen. Oh, interesting. So I'm clicking green screen, which takes me to chroma key. Okay. Chroma key. Where would you like to go, Sky? Uh, that's a good question. Great question. <laughs> I think I'm going to go to, we're going to glitch computers. Um, I think I'm actually going to click on, uh, I don't really want to go here, but I think it'll get me to where I want to go. <laughs> click on, uh, is it, Doug Walker is not linked. It looks like it's just Nostalgia Critic. So I'm going to click on Nostalgia Critic. Okay. okay. I see what you're doing. Uh, all right. So first off this, um, this page already has a couple great things on it. And one of which being, uh, someone being, uh, green screened into the white house, uh, which is, uh, the practicality of green screen compositing is de demonstrated by actor Iman Croissant in a self-produced video top panel being a frame in a full motion video shot in the actor's living room bottom panel the corresponding frame in the final version which the actor impersonates barack obama appearing outside the white house is the white house cease room which great i mean it's when they just, explain it like that it takes the magic away it really does <laughs> yeah it, it just doesn't look real anymore after you say that uh chroma key compositing or chroma keying is a visual effects and post-production technique for compositing two images or video streams together based on color cues color hues or the chroma range uh, the technique has been used in many fields to remove a background from the subject of a photo or video particularly the newscasting motion picture and video game industries hey i might be able to run sky off uh our head sky off <laughs> run uh, sky off the road yeah just run right <laughs> you know this this game is a uh, it's pretty cutthroat tim mm -hmm. a color range written by a by a non-american person in the foreground footage is made transparent, allowing separately filmed background footage or a static image to be inserted into the scene. Uh, I've, I, I, have you ever, have you all like gone to like a local like science museum or something like that where they do, they do these types of uh, like demos where you, where you're in front of the video or they have you in front of the camera and you see the, you see the green screen background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it's fun. I, I mean, <laughs> Uh, chroma keying can be done with any background uh, of any color that are uniform and distinct, but blue and green are more commonly used because they differ most distinctly in hue from any human skin color, which is a good call. That's a good call. Um, no part of the subject being filmed or photographed may, may duplicate the color being used as the backing or the part may be erroneously identified as part of the backing, which is what I was hoping for in terms of glitches. Um, I really was thinking there there might have they might have some kind of link here that I might be able to work with. I might they do they do have weather forecast broadcast in here and that might be op an option for me to click, but you know. Um if the news if the news presenter wears blue clothes, their clothes will be replaced by the background video. That's what it says about that. Mm -hmm. That's the entire thing there. 
Um, yeah. Uh, they actually, they talk about how it works. Um, oh my gosh, what? Hold on a second. Prior to the introduction of traveling mats and optical printing, double exposure was used. To, oh my gosh, that's cool. Double exposure was used to introduce elements into a scene that were not present in the initial exposure. This was done using black draping where a green screen would be used to... What? Hold on a second. Hmm. George Albert Smith first used this approach in 1898. Whoa. What? It was back a while ago. I... Uh, what? Okay, in 1903, The Great Train Robbery by Edwin uh, Porter d- used double exposure to add background scenes to windows, which were black when filmed on set using a garbage mat to expose only the windowed areas. Holy cow. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I did not realize that as a technique, this was that old for, for I mean, for regular film, sure, but like for video. My goodness. Uh, anyway, hmm. um yeah, they used that. I mean, yeah. So when we get to the '30s, yes, that's when that's when I would have expected it. When they talk about it showing up more often, uh, oh yeah. For instance, uh, they use that to like do screen wipes, that kind of a thing. Um, at that point in history. So, let's see. Uh, yeah, do meteorologists use a field monitor to the side of the screen to see where they're putting their hands against the background images? A newer, a newer technique, it says, is to project a faint image onto the screen. Um, yeah, you can use CGI with it as well. Uh, they do Ooh. have two images here. One for uh, a couple images of films being made with this. One being uh, a film set for the Spiderwick Chronicles, where a visual effects scene using blue screen chroma key is in preparation. And the entire set is blue screen, which is pretty great. So... There's no actual set there. It's all blue screen. I want to, I I want to bring in one note here though, which is a a fun thing to pull out. A chroma key subject must avoid wearing clothes, which are similar in color to the chroma key colors, color, parens, and, and parens, unless it's intentional. It says, for instance, wearing a green top to make it appear that the subject has no body. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, it just, they want you to know that, that that's the thing that you need to think about. Um, an example of an intentional use of this was when a actor wears a blue covering over part of the body to make it invisible in the final shot. This is, this technique can be used as an effect similar to that used in the Harry Potter films to create the effect of an invisibility cloak. With, which I guess is just what they did with that in the movies. They that's just you, put a Harry blue Potter blanket on them. Yep. Yeah. It's good enough so. for Harry Potter. It's good Magic enough is me. all just green screen effects. Uh, the actor can be filmed against a chroma key background and inserted into the background shot with a distortion effect in order to create a cloak that is marginally detectable. That is cited, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's just... I, I mean, you can just tell us that, I guess. Anyway, uh, the one thing that it mentions here, which is just pretty great... Uh, Difficulties emerge when a blue when blue screen with blue screen when a costume in an effect shot must be blue, such as Superman's traditional blue outfit. And in the 2002 film Spider Man, the scenes in where both Spider Man and the Green Goblin are in the air, Spider Man had to be shot in front of a green screen, and the Green Goblin had to be shot in front of a blue screen. 
the color oh. difference is mm-hmm. because Spider-Man has a costume that has red and blue in color. That's and true. Green Goblin is entirely green in color. If both shot, if both were shot in front of the same screen, parts of one character would be erased from the shot. I like so how they like, explained it. Like, just in case you didn't figure this out by now. Yeah. Well, I mean, Spider-Man doesn't have the word blue in his name. At least the Green Goblin has the word green. Like, I, I just adore... So that, that explains so much, though, as well, that, like, they weren't actually interacting in those scenes together. Ever. Right, of course not. Which is just great. Yeah. It, it, it just explains so much. Anyway. You can definitely ooh. tell when it's not done well. Mm. Yeah. Hey, lossy compression is in here. <laughs> Ooh. I don't want to click that because it's going to be a real boring page, but it would get me... It's probably close to what I want. All right, so let's look here to see... Yeah, all right, what can I click to get out of here? Hmm. <laughs> uh, post-processing rigging. Yeah, all is good. Mm. Um, a yellow screen. Hmm. Um, just special effects in general is here oh tim do i just click special effects you could i think i do especially i'm just clicking special effects and see what see what i get hey all right sky nostalgia critic i have not seen this in forever yeah i'd say it's nostalgic candace still watches him pretty frequently so it's you know Mm -hmm. it is what it is uh, yes, Nostalgia Critic is an American review comedy web series created, directed by, and starring web comedian Doug Walker. It launched on YouTube in 2007 because we're all extremely old. <laughs> Hang uh, on a second. Hold on. I'm sorry, Sky. Does it specify web comedian? Yes. How are, How is that different from a comedian comedian? Probably because he's on the internet. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like, you can, uh, you know what? If you're funny, you're funny anywhere. Like, right? That's it. Mm, yeah. Mm. I guess he's I mean, not doing stand up. Right. If he got up there, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, you're you're right. Sorry. <laughs> also, I feel like you know, a lot. You can get if you're on the internet, you can find your audience. <laughs> you know what? That's someone's right. gonna probably like you. The series initially launched on YouTube on uh, July third, two thousand seven, before moving to Walker's own site, That Guy with the Glasses. Then to channel awesome. So the show f- follows Walker as the title character. What's up? So just a second. Nostalgia critic is younger than the room. Yes. Yes. That kind of blows my mind. The room is almost 20 years old. Yeah. It's Which not is... that old. That's not that long ago. <laughs> yes, it is. Kyle. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? 20 years is not. Okay, fine. That's, I mean, like, like that's, wasn't that around like, uh, Titanic came out like in in two thousand, right? Did it? I think so. I need to know. <laughs> mm. I, that feels movie. like nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. I was gonna say like that feels like a ninety six ninety seven situation. But is that? I mean, that's uh, five years difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, five years. That's actually a big deal. Never mind. <laughs> but. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, two movies, five five years apart, same cinematic caliber. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's wild. Uh, 
the show also i think it started with the tra- yes yeah, as the series was initially launched with a review of transformers <laughs> <laughs> um, which was then frequently removed from the site because of copyright infringement, which is really interesting because I guess maybe it's that his videos sort of, you know, there's a gray area between review and comedy product, you know, like a product of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I could see that. And like how and much are you reviewing like, it? And, yeah, yeah. And how much of it he's showing itself too. Like, yeah, if he, he does show a lot of the film and go over basically the plot by like, plot point by plot point a lot of times yeah well um he's a bitter and sarcastic critic this is the character mm-hmm. that he plays Fun. <laughs> uh who mostly reviews films and television shows from his childhood and recent past usually with com- comedically exaggerated rage uh it alternates between critics angry rants and humor with legitimate analysis of the episode subject some of the films reviewed such as exorcist 2 the heretic the garbage pale kids movie and batman and robin are generally considered as the uh, the worst films ever made. Uh, this is really funny. He briefly retired the series in August 14th, 2012 to work on other projects, even writing the character out of existence uh, in the channel. Awesome film to boldly flee on January 22nd, 2013, not even a year later, <laughs> he announced that it's returning. Guess um, what? <laughs> guess what? This made me like, this is a moneymaker probably. Uh, well, it's yeah. a more narrative and sketch-driven sex season. Friends, um, <laughs> friends, do yeah. you remember when all you had to do to be popular on the internet was be sarcastic and angry about a thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did put a lot of work into these. Oh, into totally. These yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not to dis- not right. to pull away from that, but yes. Especially like back then, it was like the nostalgia thing was a good like angle. Um, but man, he just does like whatever now, <laughs> like just well, in any movie when he. When he hung up the character, he wanted to create, like, another series. Like, something that was more akin to what he's, like, always wanted to do. Yeah. But then that just bombed. Like, nobody really watched it. Yeah. And he, he sort of... once. Yeah, so he just kind of had yeah. to be, like, begrudgingly go back to the Nostalgia Critic to, to like, start making money again. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, Since which is the revival of the series... Yeah, he occasionally produces as an editorial, um, uh, like discussions relevant to film topics. Um, while still featuring the critic persona, these videos are much less comedic and contain no sketches or other actors. So I guess maybe that's what he's like trying to like sneak it in there, um, like what he actually wants to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he stated that the nostalgic critic character is primarily inspired by Daffy Duck and the Queen of Hearts. That's a combo. You know what? Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I can see like the off with her head mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, as well as comedians Louis Black, Stephen Colbert, and Bill Murray. Great. Mm, yeah. All people I love to watch. Uh, most, most people <laughs> think positively of Nostalgia Critic, it says here. <laughs> oh, is that cited? <laughs> Greg Weissman, producer of Gargoyle, stated that he enjoyed the critics' review of the show. Roger Ebert called the episode a tribute to Siskel and Ebert, the best, funniest show about Siskel and Ebert I've ever seen. Wow. And you should take that to heart. Because those, those, he knows movies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, animation writer Paul Dini of also thanked um, the critic for his episode, the top one or the top 11 uh, Batman the Animated Series episodes. So, yeah, people watch this stuff. So, that's neat. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came here to try to get. <laughs> I have some choices. I, the, so Nostalgia Critic is part of Channel Awesome, and they had like a whole slew of people at one point that like did other things, like comics and video games and stuff. So I'm like, if I can get to video games, that would be good. Uh, I don't see that list here. I might have to go to Channel Awesome, but <laughs> there is a guest star here that that stands out by the name of Jontron. Oh no! Oh, I think wow. that would get me to where I need to go, but I'm not gonna click on Jontron. <laughs> I appreciate on Channel it. Awesome and yeah. go from there. Wolf. Not to be not to be confused with Net- Network Awesome is what it says here. Oh good. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> of course. Would not want to cross that up. Basic cable oh, awesome. <laughs> oh boy. Well, friends, let's talk about special effects. Oh wait, wait where where are uh, you going, Sky? Uh channel awesome. Oh okay, you are going to channel awesome. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I thought I, was... I thought I had heard that. Yeah. I did not hear that. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, special effects are illusions. Or visual tricks used in the theater, film, television, video game, and simulator industries. Illusion. Simulator Michael. industries. Yes. I. That's an entire industry related to simulators, according to this. I just don't know what to do with that. Um, to simulate the imagined events in a story or vi- or virtual world. Uh, that's the description. I guess it's. Uh, yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. what special effects is. Um. Not once is Mythbusters mentioned on this page, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm really surprised. Wow. Yeah. Um, they are uh, traditionally divided into the categories of mechanical and optical effects. Um, and uh, as filmmaking has gotten more popular, essentially, uh, especially digital filmmaking, special effects refer there. It's usually post-production stuff. Uh, they say that the uh, that during mechanical effects, include uh, props, scenery, scale models, animatronics, pyrotechnics, and atmospheric effects, such as creating the physical wind, rain, fog, snow, cl- clouds, and then making a car appear to drive by itself and blowing up a building, etc. So, like, okay, come with me along this, this list of atmospheric effects that Wikipedia is putting out here. All right, yeah, creating physical wind. Yeah, totally. Rain, Yes. Fog, gotta love that fog. Snow, yes, definitely. Clouds, uh uh-huh. Making a car appear to drive by itself and blowing up a building. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just weather, man. Forecast. (laughs) Car. Cars driving into buildings. 50% (laughs) chance. Oh, no. (laughs) Better get a jacket. (laughs) Get a jacket. Um, Mechanical effects are often incorporated into set design and makeup. Uh, and they talk about prosthetics here as well, which I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, that's yeah, definitely part of that. Uh, optical effects are known to have much cooler names, uh, generally, uh, including the multiple exposure, mats, or the Schuftian po- process. Oh. Which, oh man, <laughs> I want to know what that is so bad. Um, you can go there. I could, but also, all right. So, hey, friends, how old do we think, uh, like, Film special effects are uh, real old. I mean, like, they were kind of there from like twenties, like the start of film, weren't they? Pretty much uh, from eighteen at eight in eighteen fifty seven, eighteen hundred, the year of Don't our Luigi, eighteen hundred <laughs> and fifty seven. 
Uh, Oscar Rayhander is the best I can get there. Created the world's first special effects image by combining different sections of 32 negatives into a single image, making a montaged combination print. Uh, Almost 40 years later, uh, we have the first film, the like motion picture special effect uh, in 1895 by Alfred Clark when filming a reenactment of the beheading of Mary, Queen of Scots. Huh, that's oh. funny. They they managed to put, they put Mary, comma, Queen of Scots, comma. <laughs> they're, like, in, they're like, you mean we don't Mary, have to, you, we don't have to really behead her? <laughs> no. <laughs> Clark instructed an actor, uh, oh, yeah, uh, to step up to the block in Mary's costume. As the executioner brought the axe above his head, Clark stopped the camera, had all the actors freeze, and had the person playing Mary step off the set. He placed a Mary dummy in the actor's place, restarted filming, and allowed the executioner to bring the axe down, severing the dummy's head. Techniques like these would dominate the production of special effects for a century. Um, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a basic stop, like, stop animation joke, like, or, you know. But, like, that's so great that even from the start, they were like, all right, let's make something weird. You know, just, like, completely... Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, they... And, I mean, it's been something that we've used throughout, but, yeah. Uh, I they Yeah, they talk about other special tech, special effects techniques, the Shuften process, which doesn't get explained in, into here. Uh, which I really would like to know what that is. It still doesn't say what that is. There's rear projection, of course. Again, not really describing what that is in 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 terms of film. They but they refer to this as. They also say that some of these are derived from another theater trick called Pepper's Ghost, which I really want to know what that is. It doesn't describe. Oh, I think we've <laughs> told me what uh, Pepper's Ghost is. We've talked about that before. It's like you step in front Have of we? a. Yeah, it's like a mirror. It uses a mirror and it creates kind of like a ghostly effect. I mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked Um, about that before, like a long time ago. Okay. Well, then I have forgotten about it. Uh, They mention, of course, uh, Fritz Lang's uh, Metropolis, you know, which they call here without any, uh, without any, um, you know, uh, citations. An early special effects spectacular. With innovative use of miniatures, matte paintings, the Schuften process, and complex compositing. So, you know, Wikipedia just in general, without any, uh, without any, uh, you know, attribution, thinks that Metropolis is a spectacular. So that's something. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of mentions here of different processes and interesting. And, and, and I mean, like, of course, like these old, uh, a lot of these were the old, um, sci-fi movies that really kind of like played around with these different ideas. Of course, star Wars, they say ushered in an area, an era of science fiction films with, with expensive and ex- impressive special effects. Um, what? <laughs> Tim. Pepper's ghost. <laughs> Those are just, Okay, yeah. Uh, this is a, you shared an image that's just a, a like a yeah a uh, an image on a disc or on a little platform. Oh no, it's a cell phone. Yeah. Okay, an image on a cell phone that's being reflected from on a, by a mirror. So yes, yeah, I suppose it does make it ghostly. You are correct. Yeah, that's that's the that's the gist of it. That's Pepper's ghost. Arguably the biggest and most spectacular 
says Wikipedia breathlessly without another citation. It's pretty Use of rad. CGI. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Hold on. No, I'm, I'm being your hype man, Kyle. Keep going. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is the creation of photorealistic images of science fiction slash fantasy characters, settings, and objects. Hell yeah. Uh, no citation there. Oh. Images can be created using uh, create in a computer using the techniques of animated cartoons and model animation. The last Starfighter, 1984, used computer-generated spaceships instead of physical scale models maybe not the you know this the the model that i would pull out for you that. mean we the, don't have the, to use real starships well Whoa. no they, there's only one left they had to save it that's true there's the it's the last one. Oh, was it um are they talking about the ship i thought they were talking about the person in the ship being the starfighter they're talking about the ships themselves oh man yeah i should probably watch it, the movie because i don't I've you should not it. it is not a good movie <laughs> um the uh, in 1993, uh, stop motion animators working with on stop motion animators working on the realistic dinosaurs again. No, no citation. Realistic dinosaurs of Steel, Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park were retrained in the use of computer input devices. What are you telling me? Wikipedia? Like, did did the animators learn computers? Is that what you're telling me? Is that that's the entire message there? I guess. I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you huh. know, so a bunch of animators learned how to use computers, uh, and they list several more, several more uh, popular movies from the '80s and '90s in which animators learned to use computers. So, yeah. Um, geez, this is just not getting me where I wanted to go. Oh, uh, two other things to mention here: uh, they say that mechanical effects often use uh, are often made possible from the use of rigs and gimbals, and. Rigs and Gimbals is definitely like a, it, it's it's like a, you know, like a, I want to say like Appalachian detective detective show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, I, I, I would watch that. It's on HBO, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Mm. Whoa. Post-product. Whoa. What? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just reading my page. Ghastly discovery. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Where would you like to go, uh, <laughs> Kyle? Now I don't know. <laughs> uh, post-production, post-production probably gives me the closest to this. Okay. I'm, I'm so, I'm getting so afield at this point, and I'm not getting what I, like, I want the mistakes. Like, I don't want the... You want the I bloops. Mean, multi- <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for those bloops. Um, maybe multiple exposure? Uh, hmm. CGI, like just computer generated image. You know, CGI, that, that page itself is probably really boring, but it probably also has some images that are very odd. So I'm clicking that. I'm going to click computer generated Im- imagery. Okay. CGI. All right. Channel awesome. <laughs> Channel awesome. What was your... What was your stunning discovery? We'll get there. It's an American online media production company based in Lombard, Illinois. It was created in 2008 by Mike Mickold. I don't know. Mike Ellix. And I don't know how to pronounce this name. Bargav Dranamraju. I'm so sorry. Uh, (laughs) It operated the That Guy with the Glasses website. Um, 
Uh, it previously hosted fellow channels uh, by Barf Fiesta. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and Blistered Thumbs. Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, all of Channel Awesome's content was hosted by Blip or YouTube prior to the former shutdown in 2015. Um, so the origins of this uh, is My- Mike, Mike and Bargov uh, created Channel Awesome after they were laid off from Circuit City in 2007. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, it's clear here to say that the three discussed the idea of such a company while still employed, but their dismissal was the impetus that put their plans into action. Wow. Uh, McCaud had stated that if they didn't lose their jobs, the business wouldn't have happened anytime soon. Uh, around the same time, Doug Walker comes along. He puts this stuff on YouTube. It gets taken down. He tries to put it all up on YouTube on separate channels for each video, and that doesn't work for him. So why would he, Why would that work? I guess because he's thinking, like, well, they could take down, like, one of them, but maybe not all of them. Uh, Don't put your eggs in one basket. Uh, Anyway, he starts working with those other three and creates that guy with the glasses. And then that brings in a bunch of people. In December 2008, Walker appeared in a commercial for the PBS documentary Make Them Laugh, The Funny Business of America, performing a series of brief imitations of famous comedians from Charlie Chaplin to Stephen Colbert. Oh, boy. I bet I can YouTube that, ironically, I, sure <laughs> ironically can, enough, yes. and see what those are like. In 2009, Doug and Rob Walker, along with Brian Haynes, or Hines, produced an iRiff of The Lion King for Riff Tracks. <laughs> In March 2009, the iRiff was chosen as the winner of the website's Riff Tracks Presents contest. The performers received $1,000, and with instruction from Michael J. Nelson... Kevin, Kevin Murphy and Bill hey. Corbett recorded a commentary of the film Batman Forever. That's good. Good for uh, me. Average 100 to 300,000 uh, views per week on the site. 1 million page views per month. Um, they made a deal. They had uh, This was expected to increase following Blip's deal with YouTube in July 2009. Um, so they were making money. Uh, gained gained a bunch of different personalities. There was, um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of things. Uh, a full length sight crossover movie was decided for the next year's anniversary of with the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, oh, wow. ended up being a trilogy. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, Kickassia, Kickassia, which the the plot was the critic getting a number of his personalities together to take over a micro nation in Nevada. I remember that. Uh, Suburban Nights, where the critic got together much of the same personalities to find a, myth- a mythical gauntlet via forced LARPing. Forced, forced, <laughs> forced LARPing. LARPing. And to boldly flee, where the critic and that guy with the glasses cast travel to space to stop a cosmic anomaly and fight corporate villains. Uh, on December 3rd, 2014, the site shut down and rebranded itself as channelawesome.com. Which is the page that we're actually on? Uh, that channel also had a bunch of different stuff. Um, There's Nostalgia Critic. There was the Top of the Fourth Wall, which was uh, comics. There was the Angry Joe Show. There was Todd in the Shadows. Cine- uh, the Cinema Stom. The Angry Joe Show was a show that I am kind of embarrassed that I enjoyed as much as I did <laughs> uh, about video games. And he was just an, it was basically the Nostalgia Critic where he's just angry all the time, except it wasn't really a character. It was just, it was, it was just, just kind of him being angry, I think. Wow. Hey, um, whatever. 
But then I yeah, think he had Todd... like fans that would go too far with things sometimes, and he'd be like, "Oh wait, yes. wait. <laughs> yeah, not that angry." <laughs> exactly. Uh, Town in the Shadows was about music. That was pretty good. It was, uh, if I remember right, this is the one where Todd never really showed his face. Correct. He was like always wearing a hoodie, so he was in the shadows. Yep. <laughs> and there was Cinema Stab, which is just like the uh, Cinema Sins, is basically what that was, if I remember right. Um. Are you ready to hear about all the re- awards that all these people got? Do On January 6, sure. 2011, no. Doug Walker was <laughs> awarded Entrepreneur of the Year in Las Vegas at the 4th Annual Mashable Awards. <laughs> Finn, oh, that's... that's it. That's all. That's all. I mean, they oh, did mention great. the Rip Tracks Award before that. I mean, that's true. I, mean, I guess that's only two of them. <laughs> Management controversy is three paragraphs long. I don't really care. Stuff went down. It was bad. Yeah, um, a lot of people left. Sounds like mismanagement. Sounds like mm-hmm. there was some some sort of uh, maybe not uh, mismanagement, mistreatment is what this page says. I don't. I don't want to get sued by all, all yep, the people in Panel Awesome. Um, but so my re- so the reason for coming here, I want to yeah, get to video games. I, think I, I want to get to. A, I want to get to a specific. I was like, I want to get to a specific thing in a specific video game. Wow. I can go here. Angry Joe will be there. I'll get to video games. I'll get to Pokemon, and I'll get to Missing Now. Oh. Right. However, I'm like looking through here, and atop the fourth wall, mm-hmm. it says, uh, "Being one of the bigger patrons of sci-fi and fantasy shows and movies such as Doctor Who, Star Trek, Babylon Five, etc., he is one of the strongest users of a storyline, which he features in the same." videos as his reviews where he is an important and high-ranking agent against paranormal and extraterrestrial threats in the channel awesome universe this is talking about linkara the host of atop the fourth wall mm-hmm. he is also a major fan of power rangers and pokemon and once featured the glitch, glitch missing no as a You've villain on kidding. his show it's that's true. what i was just reading that just be like i just gotta figure out what i'm gonna talk about and then i just come across pokemon i'm like oh and then it's like no yeah here's missing no and it's linked <laughs> So I'm gonna click on oh, missing now. How? <laughs> how? How, how have I gone through all these pages? I remember this. Like maybe it's a subconscious thing of like get to Linkara. <laughs> so I'm gonna click on missing no and hope that glitch is linked here somewhere. It's this it could still not work for me. Oh yeah. my goodness! Oh. All right, all right. computer-generated right. imagery. Extremely well done, Sky. Um, I got all right. Lucky. So, uh, computer-generated imagery is the application of computer graphics to create or contribute to images and art, printed media, video game simulators, computer. It's the same thing I've been reading all night. Um, computer-generated images... wet fur. Yeah, Tim, I'm gonna get there. Just <laughs> sorry, Hold your I horses. just saw. It. I had to say it. <laughs> oh, it's a lot. There's, it's a lot. <laughs> so. This page is pretty bad, with the exception of a couple small things that I have to share. Um, yeah, first being that we're just not great at some things with, with CGI yet. One of those things being fur. Um, so cloth and skin, skin images here. I just want to say, it mentions here, models of cloth generally fall into three groups. The, con- the geometric mechanical structure of y- at yarn crossing, which uh, not a, not the best follow-up to Animal Crossing, uh, the mechanics of continuous elastic sheets or the geomet- geometric macroscopic features of cloth, which feels like a, you know, New York Times bestseller uh, title right there. Um, 
To date, it says, making the clothing of a digital character automatically fold in natural ways remains a challenge for many animators. And that's a, that's a burn right there, all right? But then it's cited. That's a citation. Someone officially said, no, no, this is a real, this is a challenge. Uh, we still have not gotten this right. Um, and you can check it out by looking at that image of computer-generated wet fur. I mean... You look at you look at Donkey Kong in Smash Brothers, and <laughs> he looks great, but his fur is yeah, wet. <laughs> yeah, Tim, that's that's wet. the standard. It should it be get wet. Yeah, but it doesn't. Does it get it, wet? I don't think it really looks wet. Ever looks wet? It doesn't get wet. No, no. When it goes in the water, it's hydrophobic no. fur. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, it's cartoons. Um, yeah, yes, it's cartoons. Uh, we're not going to get back into Donkey Kong because that will mean that the rest of this podcast will just be dragged back into the Donkey Kong War. We're not doing that again. What is the Donkey, the Donkey Kong, Kong War? War? Yeah, what? Guys, we have done this before. I'm not doing this. Are you talking about the Donkey... Did you say lore or war? I said war, and we'll talk about it after the episode. Oh, I remember but I'm not the going war. back to this right now. <laughs> oh, I remember the wars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I guess I repressed this, so... Anyway, oh, it, the challenge in rendering human skin, it says, uh, images, which is an important thing to follow up with that, not to say just rendering hu- human skin, but to include the word images immediately following. Thank, nice job, wiki editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Involves three levels of realism. Photorealism in resembling real skin at the static level. Physical realism in resembling its movements. Function realism in resembling its response to actions. Okay. It gets a little more... Okay. The, the the finest visible features such as fine wrinkles or in skin pores are the size of about one uh, mole or 0.1 millimeters. Skin can be modeled as seven-dimensional bidirectional texture functions or a collection of bidirectional scattering distribution functions over the target surfaces. And I mean, aren't we all really struggling as we age to deal with the bidirectional scattering distribution functions of our skin? Yeah. You know, I hate when my skin just scatters. Yeah, bidirectionally scatters. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay, I'm frustrated that... Oh, well, oh, actually, first I have to share this. Uh, there was a... Um... <laughs> All right, I don't know how to share this with you now, except to say, scroll down the page. Uh, there is a Machinima film in there. It says, Machinima films are, by nature, CGI films. Oh, I've seen we've seen this before. Which is and it's it's a minute and a half video of of an elf an elf driving Santa's reindeer through a a winter like landscape and it's adorable. Um Jingle Bells is playing in the background. No one's in the sleigh. The thing the thing that really weirds me out is that it like changes direction and changes camera angles like constantly. Yeah. Like there's, you know, like there's a Lakitu out there that is just like really struggling to hold on to his cloud uh, in a windstorm or something like that. And it's, it's just great. It's very charming and you should watch it <laughs> is all I have to say. No one's driving the sleigh. Santa is not in the sleigh. And it's, it's, it's bonkers and wonderful. Anyway, it's good. Uh, here's the thing. I am frustrated because I was, li- I was hoping I got what I wanted, but not what I needed. Uh, <laughs> Wait, motion what? capture it says here, <laughs> hold on. 
Uh, Computer-generated images often used in conjunction with motion capture to better con- cover the faults that come with CGI and animation. Yeah, 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 glitches. We're going to get glitches. Computer-generated imagery is limited in its practical application yeah, by how realistic. Yes, great. Unrealistic or badly managed computer-generated imagery can result in uncanny valley effect. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this effect refers to the human ability to recognize things that look eerily like humans but are slightly off. No, we're, we're getting away from it. No, stop. Such ability is at fault with a normal computer generated... And it just goes on to talk about how computer-generated imagery can't really deal with, you know, skin and uh, and other realistic human motions. Um, <laughs> specifically, uh, it has down here, the constant motion of the face as it makes sounds with shaped lips and tongue movement, along with the facial expressions that go along with speaking, are difficult to, re- to replicate by hand. That's cited, and it's also just... Oh, it that feels just so like guttural. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a there's a, a free verse poem in there somewhere. Motion capture can catch the underlying movement of facial mu- muscles and better replicate the visual that goes along with the audio, comma like Josh Brolin's Thanos. End peer end sentence. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> just a surprise Thanos there, I guess. Um. Yeah, so this this whole section on what can go wrong with motion capture, which is that like I wanted all these glitches and things like that. Uh not they don't say the word glitch, they don't say mistake, not nothing. I got I came so close. Glitches Uncanny are never there when tier. you want them. I, isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Um I have Uncanny Valley to click here. And I'm clicking it in hopes that Sky is going to get glitch real fast. <laughs> uh, missing no is short for missing number and sometimes spe- spelled out the period. <laughs> it's an unofficial Pokemon species found in the video games Pokemon Red and Blue. Due to the programming of, uncer- of certain in-game events, players can encounter missing no via a glitch. Yay! Encountering missing no causes graphical anomaly anomalies 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 and change and changes game <laughs> gameplay by increasing the number of items in the sixth entry of the player's inventory by one hundred and twenty eight. I remember this. I remember this that too. beneficial effect resulted in the glitches coverage by strategy guides and gaming magazines. Well, game publisher Nintendo, being Nintendo, warned that encountering the glitch may corrupt players' game data. Uh, IGN noted Missing No's appearance in Pokemon Red and Blue uh, was one of the most famous video game glitches and commented on its role increasing the series' popularity. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no one, no I one cares that much. I can't say. I can't. S- oh, I wasn't gonna play this game, but there's a glitch where I can get 128 of any item I want. Hmm, gotta have it. It what? does add to the lore of the game, though. I will say that. Yeah. But yeah, no, probably not, like, if you weren't going to be there, you know. Fans <laughs> have attempted to rationalize and incorporate Missing those as part of the game's canon as an actual in-game character, and sociologists oh, totally. have studied its impact on both players and gaming culture as a whole. What? <laughs> what? Really? That's not cited. Certain players uh, attempted to sell tips on capturing Missing No for up to $200, and that is sort of... <laughs> Hey, I will for two hundred and fifty. I'll throw in view under the truck. <laughs> we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, that's great. Did you guys ever try to catch missing though? No. I did not. No, Maybe. I was I was afraid that it would glitch and <laughs> make just, you lose all the stuff. I'm just I'm just down here uh the the articles that are sourced here. Uh can Pikachu die? Online fan <laughs> conspiracy theories and the Pokemon gaming universe, the journal of fandom studies. Wow. Great. Um <laughs> The game classifies Missing No as a hybrid bird normal type Pokemon, uh, even though the category of bird type was cut from the games before release. It commonly appears with a scrambled block-like form. <laughs> it uh, might. You, that is correct. Uh, like I might. I would agree with that. That is maybe the most well-known glitch in gaming. Yeah, because it's such a, it's such a like interesting one or like a powerful yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Like there yeah. is a glitched pokemon that you can't get that was like taken out of the game like it's a whole thing um it's very good yep uh fan theories that the glitch was a cut pokemon related to the pokemon kangaskhan and cubone hmm. Mm. Hmm. Huh. uh i'm gonna click on on glitch there you go nice job congratulations thanks you found it yeah. Uh, uh, does anyone want to know what what uncanny valleys are? <laughs> there, there are valleys that are uncanny. Yeah, uh, it does give the different ways that um, uncanny valleys can like. It's it's weird. Like I didn't think of it like this, but there are like a bunch of ways that we re- that we note them in in terms of like, oh geez, how, well yeah how quote unquote like AIs, whatever, uh, like things and things that are human acting, uh, would be like, I don't know how, how we would perceive them differently and why they would be odd to us as, you know, like baseline humans. It's very strange. I don't want to get into it. This whole page is very strange. And I, you know, it's, it's making me feel odd just reading anything about it. Mm -hmm. There is an entire section on the number of uh, films that use CGI, that have given uh, "quote unquote" a feeling of revulsion or creepiness <laughs> as a result of the characters looking too realistic. Oh yeah, yeah, I believe that for sure. Uh, the Polar Express is on here, of course. Yes, it does not get better the the farther no. away we get from its creation. No. Yeah, no, you you need it to be it. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog also makes it onto this page, so I could have gotten yes. to Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the, uh, I like how they explain this, though. The 2020 film Sonic the Hedgehog was delayed for three months in order to make the title character's appearance less human-like and more cartoonish after an extremely negative audience reaction to the, fir- the movie's first trailer. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's what it was. It was, just, it was just an extremely negative audience reaction to the first trailer that that was the... Yes, definitely not all of the... Any of the art that came out of that movie that that the that twitter just tore over all for months leading up to that it was bad though it was terrifying they did a good job redoing it yeah i'm sure i'm sure there was a bunch of crunch and people didn't get compensated the way they should but oh the the studio that worked on it all got uh fired as soon as it it went live Uh, yeah yep hey capitalism it's bad bad. yeah real bad (laughs) all right uh that's so wild Oh, I forgot that they all got fired. I know. It, anyway, sorry. Yeah, it's real bad. Tell me about glitches, Sky. <laughs> uh, 
Glitch, short-lived fault in a system. Ooh. Ah, uh, yeah. That's so that poetic. <laughs> Such as a transient fault that corrects itself, making it difficult to troubleshoot. Uh, the term particularly, uh, the term is particularly common in the computing and uh, electronics industries, and circuit bending, as well as among players of video games. Um, this reminds me. I don't know if it's on here. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Maybe I, Tim, you might know. There is a there is a, a someone who is speed running recently did something that like no one will be able to do again probably ever what? because what? It, it was called it's like a oh, what is it called is it's called like a light a light glitch a light switch something like that a photon from the sun hit their circuit board in just the right way to turn a zero to a one in like the binary code what what yep and it just allowed them to do this thing like and it they had to be like they were doing the thing at the right time and i guess this is a known thing not like just even speed running but in computing that like these like sort of really rare glitches can occur where like if it hits you know if a photon hits a thing it it causes a, a you know it switches something on and off uh and <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm making this up or if I dreamed it. I uh, I, I have I, never I love it heard of this. Way. Yeah, I love it either way. Yeah. Um, I can't. And I, I think there was a story, but I don't remember the game. I don't remember the name of the streamer. Uh, I have to look it up later. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's why it's on a glitch. Uh, more generally all types of systems including human organizations and nature experience glitches <laughs> um, so a glitch here's a glitch and bug difference between them you guys could probably explain yeah. it i mean yeah one is an insect and the yeah. other is very good yeah okay a paranormal glitch is often slight and temporary whereas <laughs> bugs are more serious and like can cause like lasting issues mm-hmm. uh a bu- uh alex peichel writing for arcade review said bug is often cast as a weightier and more blameworthy pejorative well glitch suggests something more mysterious and unknowable <laughs> by surprise yeah. inputs or stuff outside the realm of code oh i love that uh random house's american slang uh claims that the term comes from the german word glishkin to slip and the yiddish word gleitskin i don't know to slide or skid either way it's relatively new yeah i was gonna say that i hadn't even considered that that word in that usage has to be very new i wow yeah that that's pretty cool uh it was first widely defined for the american people by bennett surf on the june 20th 1965 episode of what's my line as when he said um a kink when anything down anything goes down there uh this is cape kennedy they say that there's been a slight glitch astronaut john glenn explained the term in his section of the book into orbit writing that another term we adopted to describe some of our problems was glitch literally a glitch is a spike or change in voltage in electrical circuit which takes place when the circuit is suddenly has a new load put on it this is what i was trying to say like a photon can do that to a circuit board <laughs> but you what a probably, nice way to say that you've when, probably noticed a <laughs> dimming of lights in your home when you turn a switch or start the dryer or the television set normally these changes in voltage are protected by fuses fuses a glitch however is such a minute change in voltage that no fuse could protect against it 
ominous. Uh, when the uh, what is this? Um, uh, they just talk about like other times glitches used. This is an interesting. Uh, there's electronics glitch, computer glitches, video game glitches. Um, it's interesting that glitch, the missing nose considered a glitch and not a bug. I guess because oh yeah, I suppose that's true. Especially if if they were saying like, hey, it could mess up your game. Um, yeah, technically, it's an actual bug then, because it's yeah. persisting. It seems like it's persisting. I guess maybe it's because you have okay, to go out go. of your way to make it happen. Yeah, I found the article. Just a second. Oh. Yeah, keep talking. Oh, okay. Uh, there's television glitches. Um, you can get a corrupted signal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it'll form jagged lines on the screen. Misplaced squares. Oh god, my squares. Where are they? <laughs> Static looking effect, freezing problems, or inverted colors. Um, these glitches may be caused by a variety of issues, but most of them are ghosts. Yeah, there's that, ghosts yes. in there. Yeah. I think that that makes the most sense of anything, honestly. I mean, yeah, I, I still, I still really enjoy that. Like, all of this. Well, not all of this, but some of this leads back, goes back to. Again, like actually, like computers large enough to have room uh, to fill rooms where, and using vacuum tubes where you could actually have the problems caused by like actual insects, mm-hmm. like getting into them, and and you know you have to go clean these things out. Yeah, and that's I, I just enjoy I just enjoy that there's still that. I don't know. It's like a almost an ethereal thing to it to the to the thought of like a glitch specifically like it mm-hmm. it really does feel almost poetic the way that they're describing this like you'll never yeah. see it again or you might never see it again um not you know it couldn't be as rare as like you know being in a certain place at a certain time in a certain set of situations and uh it just comes together you know like there's right. so much serendipity involved in it yeah uh, it it just makes it feel almost romantic in a way. <laughs> Speaking of serendipitous. Yeah. Tim, this article. Yes. Uh, so this is from uh, The Gamer. Uh, okay. How an oh, ion- that one. Yeah. How an ionizing particle from outer space helped a Mario speedrunner save time. <laughs> Super Mario 64 speedrunner Dota T-Bag. Okay. Great. Received some cosmic <laughs> help from an, from an ionizing particle resulting in an impossible glitch. This was published September 16th of last year. So they he was uh, participating in a 70-star race in Super Mario 64. Uh, he was in TikTok clock, and he suddenly just warped to like the top of the level, essentially. <laughs> and even he was surprised, like, like how? He didn't know? And they were, <laughs> they were just desperately trying to figure out what happened. And I guess they figured out that, uh, according to the article, during the race, an ionizing particle from outer space collided with Dota T-Bags N64, flipping the eighth bit of Mario's first height bite. Specifically, it flipped the bite from 11000101 to 11000100. This resulted in a height change from bunch of numbers to bunch of numbers. Which, by complete chance, happened to be the exact amount needed to warp Mario up to the higher floor at that exact moment. This was tested uh, by Panenkoic12. Okay, 
the same sure, person sure, who sure. put up the bounty to determine what happened using a script yeah. that manually flipped that particular bit at the right time confirming that's what happened essentially <laughs> uh the odds of a single oh, event great. upset flipping a bit in a way that actually benefits a speedrunner in such a way are astronomically small uh, uh so yeah that's that's fun literally astronomically small true like that literally in this case it's yeah right that 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 ionizing particle was out in space flying (laughs) into earth earth had to be spinning at just the right time (laughs) god just wanted to see that mario go up that's all yeah (laughs) that particle was Mm -hmm. like no you're gonna go faster Mm -hmm. yeah it's (laughs) and it's wild to think like Wait, I could be. I could have been playing games all this time. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like there could have been. There could be just be, you know, ions hitting my my friggin' you know, ions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just it's just so wild to like think that they could have just been hitting my games and changing the height of my characters. And of course, really none knowing of it. Yeah, the ions that are hitting my games are never the ones that are. They're not the overachievers. It's not, it. Like I'm, I'm getting the ions that are kind of you know like they're just kind of lazy i guess mm-hmm. yeah just caused me to mi- all my all my pokemon moves to miss they that's just, right they just come in like you got you got any chips uh come on uh, ion not again like uh, your you own playing, chips man you playing you playing something like yeah can you help me no nah you, you got it Ugh. Ugh. lazy ion yeah Lazy Ion. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I have for glitches. Uh, Bethesda's got a whole section in here, which is funny under video game glitches. Tim, uh, I I gotta know yep. what was the route you took here. How did you get to? Glitch? If I remember correctly, it went from I went from uh, Tommy Wiseau to uh, I think Tim Heidecker, and what? like. Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. And I think on that page, oh. they mentioned something about a glitch. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. I was also thinking with Sky, you potentially could have also gotten to glitch, maybe, if you went to from Channel Awesome to uh, Angry Video Game Nerd. Because mm-hmm. there's oh, a character there called sense. the Glitch Goblin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch a lot of it. Uh, video game nerd stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was that was after I hit Channel Awesome, though, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, did you want to say something about video game glitches? I'm sorry. Um, no. Oh, okay. Just that, but Bethesda has a whole section. Just oh, funny. yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight as we went from Tommy Wiseau to Glitch. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, our little game tonight, head on over to uh, wskbcast.blogspot.com or basically anywhere where you get podcasts and, you know, check out some more episodes if you like. Feel free to leave us a review. We'd love to see those. Um, we just constantly read reviews at Grandpa's Cheese Barn to fill the void that we have, <laughs> and it's starting to get a little old. Uh, I do tweet at them every so often. Yeah. See if they'll answer me. <laughs> Speaking of tweets, you can also follow us on Twitter at WSKBcast, as well as Facebook. Just search for We Should Know Better. Uh, is there anything that either of you would like to mention tonight? Uh, the only thing that I want to ask is now that um, now that we have had uh, 
you know, uh, an episode on, or that included Tommy Wiseau, right? Mm-hmm. The the actual question that we have to bring up is obviously, did including Tommy Wiseau improve or ruin our show? Like, is that the is was it better or worse because of Tommy Wiseau? Let us know, <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. I think we're good then, right? Yeah. We had a good run. We're no good. glitches. We did it. No. Um, was it, was, what episode was our glitch episode, essentially? The one that just... Oh, 30. episode 30. 30? Ep- episode yeah. 30. We'll never forget. Yeah. We did not 30 the at cake this time. episode. Yep. <laughs> oh. All right, guys. Oh. Have a good night. <laughs> All right. Good, good night. night. Uh, still not quite used to daylight saving time, I think. Really? Yeah. Also that and, and Saturday morning, my, my, uh, smoke detectors like, Hey, I got to change my battery. You're supposed to change that with daylight saving time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure. When you do one, you're supposed to do the other. Can I just choose not to do one? No, <laughs> no. I make it well, daylight actually, saving no, time that I choose not to do. Yeah, actually, it's that that I. Um, but it this, was here's my, you want to know my secret, Tim. Uh, in fall, I never changed my the analog clocks that I have. <laughs> oh wow! And six months later, <laughs> hey, look, they're on time again. Uh. I the the really really honestly the thing is that I don't use those clocks often, and so I never really even saw them. <laughs> So it's like, oh, right, it's not, that's not, it's not the right time, you know. That's true. You probably haven't seen those clocks much. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but yeah. yeah, all the the clocks that I use regularly were automatically changing. So that wasn't a big problem. But yeah, my, my smoke detector decided to punish me by beeping <laughs> at four in the morning. It wasn't punishing you. It's, it, it was, was punishing it was a me. cry for help. It was so close. To daylight saving time, you were exactly correct. It was past daylight saving time. It knew, and it was angry. It's like, hey, hey.